Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. My name is Peyton Warren, and I'm a strategist here at Gorilla76. We're an industrial marketing agency, and I'm also one of your IML hosts. Uh, today's topic is influencer marketing and you know how we as manufacturers can lean into something that on the surface might seem like it's purely a direct-to-consumer tactic. And to help us have this conversation today, we are super, super stoked to have the one, the only, Eddie Saunders Jr. Eddie, feel free to say hello. What's <laughs> up, everybody? <laughs> Love it. Love it. And uh, yeah, I, we're just super stoked to jump into this conversation. Uh, this is a conversation that I feel like Eddie has been having for years and kind of been at the forefront of it. So thanks for joining us today, Eddie. Yeah, it, it's it's so cool to participate in these. And I'm just it's awesome to see all my friends, you know, virtually, if, if it may be. But it's cool. I love these little groups like this. And it's um, I'm just really excited to kind of dive into the conversation for sure. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, Eddie, do you mind just telling folks a little bit about yourself and kind of uh, your background? I feel like uh, you're probably more well-known than IML at this point in the manufacturing space. <laughs> just a little light flattery to start the day. Um, but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about, about yourself and how you kind of got into this? Yes. Um, so first answer the question in the chat. I totally wore my Be A Buddy shirt. That is super intentional. Aaron, you're a gangster. Good eyes. So um, with that, so some of you obviously know me, some of you don't. And there are plenty of you that probably do know me and wish you didn't. So sorry about that. Here we are. But but with that, um, so currently from a professional level, um, I, I run content strategy as well as demand gen for a, a startup arm of a corporate conglomerate. So Adaptix brand. So, uh, But aside from that, because I'm sure you probably see me active on LinkedIn, I'm very passionate about mixed martial arts. I'm a former MMA fighter, I'm current coach and founder of a gym in my hometown. I'm a singer songwriter, been playing guitar, bass and singing for over half my life. I'm a youth sports coach. Um, and also this year started my community's very first youth flag football league. So just a couple of things underneath that professional level that I'm really passionate about aside from the things we're going to jump into today. So cool. Awesome. Well, um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was, you know, just the the concept of an influencer marketing and something that you've also called buddy branding, which you really do need to trademark that. <laughs> it's just like, you know, how did you become the go-to person for this tactic or, you know, this conversation in the industrial space? Solid question. I mean, so prior to this, before any of the LinkedIn stuff, I, I dabbled in in the whole content creation for Instagram specifically. <clears throat> so um, uh, I'm also a proud father of four beautiful children, um, and I also love fitness. And so to that point, I kind of jumped in the Instagram world as like one of the fit dads, and I really rode that hashtag pretty crazily, uh, so much to where like I leveraged a lot of what Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, would say. And I, I was able to obtain uh, lifetime discounts and also free product for just posting some of the content. And so I actually have a background in doing that. And the only reason I stopped is because just in transparency, I realized that I got the most feedback and engagement when I took my shirt off. And I kind of thought that was pretty hollow and shallow. And so I was like, you know what? I'm better than this and this is not worth it. So 
all that to say, um, I learned a lot from that on how, from the creator side, how to engage with other brands. So when I went to the other side of the conversation, I pro it provided me a lot of empathy, which is a big word that I'm going to hit on today. Um, and so when it comes to kind of, I don't consider myself the go-to whatsoever, um, but empathy, experimentation, and collaboration are all really those big things, I think, pillars that allowed me to get into that point. Um, empathy being just truly understanding. A lot of people mix up sympathy and empathy. Uh, when sympathy is recognizing someone's feelings, but empathy as a marketer, uh, even so, is inserting yourself into those feelings by one, engaging, actually figuring out where those are, but trying to figuratively put on that hat. And I think a lot of us are guilty of not doing that sometimes. So that helped um, in that world. And then experimentation. Um, I like I like the Thomas Edison approach. He did not find thousands of ways to do the light or like to how to, to fail, if you will. He found found plenty of ways how to not invent the light bulb. So that's kind of my thing. Um, I, I really never feel that I fail. It's more of I found a specific way as to not accomplish my goal, and then I adjust from there. And then lastly, collaboration. I'm um, just being open-minded to giving someone something without always trying to have the upper hand. And so I think that's a big thing that people miss because we all want the most for what we give, right? We always want to win more. We're selfish human beings. But I think that collaboration aspect in tandem with empathy, I think really helps lead this influencer marketing campaign. And I know these aren't metrics, figures, and KPIs, but this is the other side of the coin that people don't talk about as much that will make a difference in your success if you're trying to implement this correctly. Yeah, if anything, I feel like... Um the qualitative feedback that you get from influencer marketing is maybe even more familiar to a lot of industrial companies than the KPIs that Gorilla likes to talk about. For sure. KPIs are great. And it's, it's, it's really a part of the conversation that needs to exist for sure. And there are very much objective as well as subjective reasons to be able to get into this whole influencer marketing and content creation type of type of style. But th there's really good things on both sides of that conversation that I think a lot of people are missing. But to go back to the question of, you know, what gives you this confidence, what makes you the go-to, which I think is crazy, but I appreciate the flattery. Um, it's really those big things being empathy, being able to experiment and also just being open-minded to collaborating with other individuals and not trying to win everything yourself. How do you see that between like, you know, building your personal brand, but then also like doing that within a company and talking about like the offering of your company and talking to your audience? Like, how do you like, how do you do that? I mean, I know I was in a pretty unique position myself because I have an extensive theater background. And so, of course, as you all saw in my last position, I leveraged the hell out of it. Right. Um, but the thing is, though, I think we can take a step back because anybody on this call can develop their own personal brand. And there's yeah. always the conversation of, OK, when is it to the point of diminishing returns where the person is too much focusing on themselves and separating themselves from the company? Um, I would argue that doesn't happen until we are I, I like we are no longer like I'm no longer employed with that specific individual. And so so to that point, I always say, what's your superpower? Um, we all have specific things. Some of us write great content, right? Some of us can write very well, but you put us in front of a camera and meh, we play Ricky Bobby. We don't know what to do with our hands, mm -hmm. right? And then vice versa, right? There, there's a lot of those. And so what I know is my handwriting's god awful. I'm not a good writer per se, um, if you will but I had a lot of experience in the video world. And so me recognizing that I said, Hey, let's put the brand on my shoulders because I think we can all agree that moving forward, the entity brand conversation is okay. Like that's cool. That still exists, but the, the personal and human brand that is exploding at a, just an insane rate. And there are a couple of you on this call that I know very much see that because you are great examples of that. 
So, so knowing that first, find your superpower. And what I mean by that is um, personal branding to me is a passion play. It really, really is. But the game is chess, not checkers. So we can't just, you know, do everything we want, be nonchalant, but we also have to reverse engineer what that end result is. So I, if I know for me, for example, and this is just me, I like that video content. It's something I've always done well since I was a kid. I've been in front of a camera. So knowing that, I said, okay, that is what I feel is my superpower. I'm passionate about manufacturing. My end result is I wanted to raise awareness for not only just the great people in the industry, but also low-key my company. So I seriously came up with all these different ways, as you all saw through the various videos and different podcast series and things that we did, um, that it allowed me to really, really do that. Now, does it is a company required to have that? And sometimes is it always available? No, not necessarily. Um, Because some people, they want to leverage their engineers and not that all engineers are this way, but if we all think, hey, think of an engineer, there's a couple of boxes we can put them in and not a lot of them would be want to be kind of brand central in front, but you can still leverage that thought leadership internally and externally. So those would be a couple of those specific ideas that I would jump in if you're trying to start from square one. Most of us in here, are marketers, right? I, I've never been on a manufacturing line. I've never run an injection molding machine. So I wouldn't consider myself a subject matter expert on manufacturing, but it seemed like you were able to kind of do that with, you know, at your previous role and in your current role too. So how do you create that personal brand and develop your company's brand while not being a subject matter expert, but still being out and, uh, you know, talking about your company and the offering that you have? A lot of times just making solid noise and connecting with other individuals. And I know it sounds cliche, but like, again, it came down to reverse engineering what it is you want to accomplish. Do you want to be, you want to have a, be a thought leader? Do you just want to strictly uh, appear on podcasts? Are you trying to secure speaking gigs as well? And so really what I knew at the end of the day, I wanted to develop as much attention as possible. And I looked at my tools and I thought, okay, what is the good Lord given me to utilize and leverage? Um, and then I really just kind of ran with that. And video just seemed to be, as we all know, a great platform to do that. And so you don't always have to put it on your specific shoulders, but I would find an individual within your companies that really is likable, knowledgeable. And if they're not as knowledgeable because that exists, um, I'm a pure example, if you will, hand those individuals the knowledge and then leverage them. And sometimes it is challenging because not everybody wants to produce content in those specific ways, but we all have different cards that were dealt, right? So find your ace for lack of a better term and really empower yeah. them, really empower them. I know a lot of individuals try to like have their company uh, leader as the face of the brand, but I can confirm that in previous roles that were main unnamed, that would be, have been a horrible idea. And so I would not advise that. Um, so these are all good things you need to understand that this human being does need to be likable if you're going from that personal perspective. Mm. So whenever you're talking about, I, I was talking to a marketer just a couple of days ago, and, and he was saying that he's about to go to a trade show and his one and only goal is to um, set up the booth and then go hide <laughs> so that he doesn't have to answer questions when folks come to the booth. Um, so I, I guess like, how did you get to the point where you felt comfortable to kind of answer more technical questions about your company's products uh, and what, what y'all did? Well, before I ever even said, Hey, I have a voice. I kept my head down and did the research I needed to, because as, as many of you know, in the manufacturing industry, um, if you say one thing incorrectly and an engineer or a machinist gets a hold of it, they will rip you to shreds. 
you know, they, they really will. Um, and I, I had a lot of time in the sales side as well. A lot of people don't know before I even really kind of jumped into this marketing role is always my passion. I spent 10 years in, a, in sales roles, various, a lot of them in selling, marketing and advertising, but the idea still stands that it provides that specific perspective. So, so yeah, lots of fun times indeed. <laughs> We just had a question come in, Luke. Um, I think it's a great question. Um, he said that, uh, you know, he understands your new role is remote. So he's curious how you're going to be, you know, leveraging video in a larger organization where now they might have multiple offices and, and you're not actually on site. Um, have you thought any about that or are you planning to kind of use similar tactics in your new role as what you did when you first started out? Oh yeah, I got a whole new hand to play with and, um, and a lot of other benefits, but I will say one thing that I do miss is uh, at Flex, we had uh, in like a dedicated studio with green room. That's where I recorded all, like we recorded everything in there. And I don't have that because I'm in a room in my house, right? So this ties very much into the influencer and content creator type of strategy that I've utilized already with this new company going from 0.5 to one. And it's been fantastic. So to supplement some of the, some of the inability to be able to create like in-house video, I mean, it's 2023. There are so many talented videographers out there, but mm -hmm. um, to save myself even more so of some of that cost, if I was to give, and as I am, I'm giving my units, I have an allotted amount that I'm providing to specific creators creators and scaling content in ways that I wouldn't be able to do myself organically, even with some of the most compelling content, you know? So um, again, to supplement that loss of having not one, but two videographers at Flex, we had two videographers, which is unnecessary, but gangster for a guy like me. But that being said, um, it brought its challenges, but what a time to be alive when we have such a, um, an agile model that we can function in with remote opportunities all over the country and creators that can literally capture that perspective for me. So I'm trying to work smarter, not harder. Great another, question, by the way. Yeah, another, yeah, Luke, awesome question. Uh, another question that I have for you is just kind of what you're seeing as far as um, movement on the different social media channels. Like it, it sounds like Instagram was a good place for you uh, in some ways. I know you're very active on LinkedIn. Like where are you seeing, um, and obviously video, YouTube, things like that. So where are you seeing it's worth it to put the most energy right now? Sure. A lot of it does depend on your goals. So I don't mean to be cliche, but, but, but all these, like the main four platforms, you think about LinkedIn, Instagram, um, Facebook, and TikTok, like YouTube's a thing in itself. Like, but if you think about all those, they all can help you accomplish specifically different things. Um, and if you're looking at just from my perspective, putting an even amount of dollars in the main three buckets outside of TikTok due to uh, the scaling efforts of video, getting the most engagement from LinkedIn, which is awesome because those are where you get a lot of high intent. But if I'm running side-by-side -side ad campaigns, I'm getting great impressions on, on Instagram right now. Um, so depending on if, if impressions are great to you, as a guy who is running essentially from a 0.5 to one strategy and kind of a semi go to market on a global scale, I'm cool with impressions because I just want to get in front of you. Um, but if we're not also figuring out what we're doing with that attention, that matters. So if you're looking at just like how perspectives look in my lenses of my you know platform, if you will, um, again, most engagement is on LinkedIn and it's great high quality engagement as well. Facebook is essentially just a coattail for Instagram. Like that's just kind of how I see it because I'm not B2C. B2C is a whole different convo. TikTok is the king of impressions and video views right now. Um, it's nuts. Like at Flex, for example, we had one video in May of 2022 that surpassed our entire 2021 YouTube views. One video surpassed all of YouTube views in, on TikTok. It was stupid. Um, 
So that's objective data. Am I doing TikTok for adaptics right now? No, because of the previous problem I had just shared with you. I don't have enough video uh, creation right now, but what I'm doing is banking so that if we do decide to do TikTok later, I know the numbers are there. And unless the US decides to ban it altogether, knock on wood, then I'm gonna, I'll look into that one later. So hopefully that answers your question of where my perspective is on the lay of the land. Yeah, I love that you tie it all back to goals because that's so important. Straight up, straight up. I'd love to do this and be like, here's money. Let's just hope we get some numbers. Uh, but if we're not reverse engineering, whether it's our content creation, whether it's with influencers in general, whether it's with our socials, if you're not reverse engineering towards your goals and you're just doing it for fun, which you can still do it for fun while pursuing your goals. I have another question, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, me too. <laughs> for asking a lot of questions and I have so many for you, Eddie. So Mary, go ahead. I'll, yeah. I'll Eddie, where do you see that line between um, having a content creator in-house? So someone like you versus going out and proactively looking for influencers? Like, do you think one should be before the other? Can you do both strategies at the same time? Like, how would you leverage that that type of tactic? I would say it definitely depends on like what you, who you have internally, because everyone would love to have someone who can just be loud and proud and, and do kind of what I did for flex. Everyone would be able to love that. But sometimes we don't always have that available to us. And regardless, even if you do, I would always, always, always advise to look into these specific content creators because like objectively they are hosting in, in the loudest rooms, if you will, or the loudest individuals in these rooms surrounded by individuals who you're trying to speak with in all reality. So I, I think that regardless of what you're doing, um, and it's not because I just think it's feel goods, I've done this, there's data behind it, there's conversion behind it, there's return on it, on specifically looking at these creators. The, the, the term creator economy, it's not cliche, it exists for a specific reason and it exists right now. It's been done since Shirley Temple was, you know, uh, promoting cereal back in the day from Michael Jordan to Elton John doing Coke to Neil Patrick Harris and Heineken. You can think of all of this. This has been done for a while. Manufacturing is new to it. And so now we as a group, we can be on the forefront to just not be afraid. Go seek these individuals out. The data is there. The return is there. So I would say if you can find a good content creator that you trust, that you know, and that has reputable work, pursue it. What are you going to lose? Um, when you were at Flex versus your new company, like how important was getting leadership buy-in on content creation, influencer marketing, however you want to put it? Like, even if you want to separate those out. So like maybe at Flex, they were really into having internal people create content, but not so much getting outside influencers. Um, I learned very quickly that when I entered Flex, even in the sales world, that um, that I had more education and experience in the marketing world than anybody in the building. And so, and I say that in all humility, but what happened is that's how I even ended up in the marketing department in the first place. Like they didn't understand it. So I kind of just took personal initiative and just started doing things because like we mentioned earlier, I had dabbled and I knew how to do that on one specific front. And I also knew that that influencers existed and they were hiding under rocks with little bits of attention. So I just kind of led by example. Now I was in a good position because I worked for a 30 to 50 person company during those th three years. So I had the opportunity to be a little bit more agile and I didn't have a lot of those corporate um, hurdles that existed. Um, so I kind of just set the rules. And when I set the tone and set the example, it almost became the expectation in all reality. So I made it to where this is how we do things now. And this is how I do things. And I kind of put them in a position that says, you have to physically tell me to stop doing what I'm doing on my own personal page. Because, and if you do that, that's a hard conversation for somebody to have. And I knew that, but I also knew what the hell I was doing and I was going to prove it. So I just proved it. 
Jacob, we'll we'll seed the floor. Please ask your friend. <laughs> hey, Eddie. Um, I had I had a question for you. Um, I was wondering what what do you recommend to go about convincing like your current employer if you do want to be that company image, that face brand influencing? How do you bring that to their attention? Bring that to their table. And also let them know that I do want to do this for you as your face brand, but I also have me as whoever you are um, doing your branding on LinkedIn, YouTube, all that good stuff. I mean, I would definitely recommend leading by example, because obviously a lot of the stuff that I did, for example, for Flex, like I kept it synergistic. I wasn't keeping it selfish by any means. And I also pointed to a couple of things as, as well. I looked at some examples. Hey, here's this individual doing this. So it took less of the feeling of I'm trying to explain what I want to do. Like, hey, here's Joe Blow doing this. I can and want to do this. Here's an example of me doing this. What do you feel about us kind of scaling this moving forward? And then if you're able to provide provide objective reasons as to, hey, if we're able to do this, here's the foreseeable goal result from it, that just makes it a really easy, more so an easier conversation. But your conversations are going to get way easier there, Mr. MSC. So <laughs> kudos and hats off to you, homie. I, I see you over there. But you just keep Thank doing you, what buddy. you're doing and the examples are going to line up. And then it's eventually, yeah. it's going to easily get to the point where they say, instead of you proving what you want to do, they're going to be like, hey, Jacob, what are we doing next? And that is liberating. And you will get yeah. it. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. Eddie, what's the best way to start this, right? Like, let's say like, person doesn't have that many followers, but yeah, want to raise a hand and want to get started, like what's the best way to do this organically, um, you know, without having a lot of fits and stops and starts and just like, you know, start slow and build forward. So like, how do you see like in today's environment, like doing that and moving forward with a strategy like this? I mean, if you're trying to work with content creators, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's relatively simple. I mean, just for one example, this is, there are many ways to do this, but one of my favorites is easiest is going to Instagram. And I think to myself, you're, you've heard me say the word reverse engineer a couple of times, and I live by empathy and reverse engineering what I'm trying to do. For example, I want to talk to machinists. That's what I want to talk to because that's where my product is, right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to go straight to Instagram and I'm going to type in hashtag machinist. Straight up. We've all done this before. And I seriously think, why do we not just sing this from the mountaintops? Because it's so easy. And then from that, what does that reveal to you? All of the top conversations that hashtag or that, that it's happening. And so what do you do from there? Okay, here are all the voices in the room. And then I, I simply find the loudest voices in the room. That's mm. all that I do. I find the individuals making the noise, um, the people with the followings. And I really think it's a cheat code. It's a cheat code for me to be able to provide a product to somebody and get as much value as I get in return. And I think that's a great start. And so people think, how do you go from there? Like, what's the first step? Once you've done that research and you found the loud names in the room, there's this wonderful function. You can direct message them and they're not exactly hiding. We all know this. Like, seriously, these content creators are not hiding. They're really not. They're actually making the most noise. And so that is always a wonderful start. That was no joke when I went from Flex to this role now. And they said, hey, just develop our creator program, influencer thing, whatever. That's That was their demeanor to it. They said, I know you know how to do it. We don't just do it. And so I contacted the biggest, best influencer I know and just blew it up in January. Um, and it's not, it's not a secret. It's not a secret. They're out there. Go find the conversations you want to be a part of. Find the loudest individuals in that conversation. And be a buddy for lack of a better term which is a whole other wormhole but you get it okay so i feel free to say no to answering this question but what does compensation look like when you're talking to these influencers right like 
when you do an ad on LinkedIn or Facebook, like you're paying for, for eyeballs, right? YouTube, you're paying for views. What does this look like in terms of like, how do you budget out for this um, and get, you know, go to leadership and ask for, you know, how much money am I asking for? Or what I'm like, are we giving stuff away money? Like what is, what, what's the compensation? Sure. I've been lucky, um, and especially in manufacturing, because a lot of these brands don't really require um, any type of financial compensation. I definitely, if you really like somebody and you want to provide that for sure, but no joke, um, I don't think that I cannot recall giving a content creator a single dollar. Mm. Like I, I give them product and I know going into it before we even have that conversation, what I want and what I know they want as well. And it's not a tactic, tricky little thing. Um, so you can bring that up. Um, and I, I just will say in manufacturing, we're kind of getting away with it because a lot of the creators in this world, they're not, they're not dumb by any means. They're not dumb because some of them get paid great, great money. Um, but aside from that, you don't necessarily have to offer that. Sometimes it'll be requested and some uh, creators actually will have tiered pricing. So for Abom, for example, Abom 79, huge following. Um, I created his inventory because he was just, hey, will you give me a couple of drill bits? I'll make you some post. He was doing it so, and a lot of people are, so you can get away with that. But I'm mm -hmm. like, no, bro, you have an inventory. So if they offer that or they request that, have that conversation. But um, I think that, that right now manufacturing is in a position where a lot of the creators will do a, a decent amount for exchange of product as long as it's practical cool. and useful to them. Okay. No pens or squishy balls though, right? None of those. None of those, man. Give them some swag. Give them some swag, yeah. maybe, if you will. Give them some wearables, but no Here's squishy balls. Here's a 2021 balls. calendar. Exactly. There's cats on it. <laughs> That's good stuff. Ooh, Jared, how about you uh, come on and ask that question? Jared, let's party. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was kind of curious. You, you sort of talked about this in regards to the money or... or talking about product, but I was kind of wondering specifically on equipment. Um, if, if, uh, people tend to want the equipment to use, um, for, for items. And so for my company, we're a distributor, so we're not the manufacturer itself. So we're representing a company that, you know, a dozen other companies are also selling the exact same items. So using influences isn't something I've ever looked at, mm -hmm. but we have benefited from people pushing products that we are a distributor of on YouTube before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, and small short story, before I went into marketing at Flex, actually, I manage all of our Western US distribution and sales channels. So very familiar. And you have an interesting opportunity and is distributors like yourself, where buddy branding system, whatever I want to call it, came into play. Because I think you're going to have a much better, um, you're going to get much better feedback and build much more rapport with your builders or your vendors, whatever you call them, suppliers, every distributor calls them something different. But if you would collaborate with them specifically, because I got a lot of good feedback when I was doing collaborations with my distributors, not only for the end customers they were talking to, but it also got more awareness for them specifically. It makes your sale easier. And it's kind of that synergistic effort of you cut your efforts in half, double your output while getting someone else involved in the conversation. That would be my recommendation because I did it and it worked really, really well with distributors. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Solid so, question, dude. Go ahead. So Eddie, what you were kind of talking about, like the buddy branding is more than it, it's, it's the way you described it when you're kind of preparing for this call, it's like humanizing the brand, but it's not necessarily like a person. It's more of like the brand of the company. I guess can can you explain that uh, a little bit more of yeah, like what is buddy what branding? Yeah, what you yeah. need. 
So full transparency, totally made it up. It was more just to make it stick for myself. I never expected it to get picked up by anybody. Honestly, expected it to be made fun of and like Eddie grow up. But um, so that came from when you're swimming out or sorry, when you're swimming with your friends, always have a buddy, use the buddy system. Or when you're riding your bikes out at night, have a buddy. So it, it's where that's where that comes from. And really with, with Flex, I had to scale our brand with very, very minimal assets and, and, and like budget, very minimal. So I knew that in order to do that, I had to get on the shoulders of giants. I knew that I had to. If I wanted to, you know, to fly my flag, I had to do it on on larger shoulders than my own. And so the difference, like, so buddy branding is entity brand plus entity brand, right? Influencer marketing, we separate that. That's when you have entity with a personal brand. So the idea that I love, and even with the distributors, is if I bring another entity brand into the conversation, as long as there's synergy between us and we can tell a story of how we both work together to solve a customer specific problem, I get to double my reach. I get to double my bandwidth. I get to double my output while also cutting in my efforts, investment, and stress in half. Because I would also, with other brands, say, hey, I'd like to spend $1,000 on this. Do you mind splitting it down the middle? You pay five, I pay five. We save ourselves 500 bucks, but we both get the same results. And then if we work together, you don't have to worry about taking all the brunt. I don't have to either. So you're halving all the things that that you want to, but then doubling all the things that you intend to. Um, So there's a little bit of pseudo math behind it. And it worked really, really well. Um, And I was able to really partner with brands that I really would have no business doing any collaboration with simply because I wasn't afraid to ask. And I came with a plan of not, I'm going to ask you what you want to do. I want to do this? Are you on board or not? And once you do one or two of those, I now have something to point to. And every other conversation after that becomes, hey, look at this. You want this? Cool. Let's talk about it. Simple. What are your favorite ways to collaborate with other brands? Um, I, I love video work. I, I really do. It's obviously huge. It's something that, I, that I've bolstered a lot with. And so any way that, that there's, there, there's a specific way, whether it's products, that's a really big thing in the manufacturing industry, a way to show both of them literally solving a specific problem, um, but not pitching that specifically has always been great. Um, a funny video, which you've seen, I've done plenty of those. Um, those are always my absolute favorite because it's actually memorable and it's entertaining and engaging. Um, I love the educational E side of the content, but it's no secret that I'm a huge sucker for something that's entertaining and engaging just as much, if not more. When it comes to, um, you know, like the value of this for industrial companies, like I, the conversation that I keep hearing is just that industrial manufacturers need to rebrand like as a whole, like we're trying to recruit people to work at our companies. We're trying to sell our products. Like how, how important do you feel like this personal branding, buddy branding is to that, that journey or, or even just like brand marketing in general um, for industrial companies. It's not something you typically see at the forefront. Yeah, I just I think it's huge. And I don't want to be biased and be like, oh my God, it needs to be the most important thing in your 2023 business plan. Um, but it it is it is a big deal because if done correctly and done with empathy, you truly can scale. 
like Flex was known prior to, but it's no secret that over those three and a half or so years, the brand just skyrocketed. It skyrocketed. And it was because of a combination of the things that we're doing. Um, and it's not just me. I'm just going back to those relevant examples. So it, it, it is huge. And I think that manufacturing companies should do it a lot more because it's being done very successfully with other brands, um, global as well as just domestic. It's, it, does, it doesn't matter. Um, and I would challenge each and every one of you who represent some type of industrial manufacturer to think about one to two collaboration partners that you could email today, not tomorrow. Who could you email today to create an awesome collaboration with? I, I don't just give, I challenge you. I challenge you to reach out to at least one person just to see, because what's the worst thing that can happen? You can't think of anything and you're back at square one. There's too much to gain. There's too much to gain. Don't be afraid, homie. I want to open it up to questions too from from the group and just you know if this is something that you've tried um, or you want to try, uh, we would definitely welcome you to come on and ask questions of Eddie directly. We're just happy to facilitate the conversation today. Again, Eddie, thanks so much for coming on. This is awesome. Yay! So good at answering. I had a... Go ahead, Jacob. Oh, I was gonna say I had another one. Um... Eddie, do you, so you talk about, I like the buddy branding. Um, do you also see a benefit in like Gorilla 76 does this? And me and one of my colleagues um, were talking about this the other day. We're like, what Gorilla 76 people, what they do is they, they write this post and it has everything to do with how their company solves something or how they think something should be done, how something should be solved. And you see all their different employees posting different topics like that about like what their company does. But then we thought about it and I have literally never seen Gorilla 76, the company page, make a post, but I know all that they do. Um, do you think that's also beneficial for companies to start trying to rally the troops internally to have their people like preach the company's message without the company brand being on there? You know what I mean? Like coming from the company page, I guess. You just indirectly answered your own question, sir. <laughs> so, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and then one of the big things also that, that I would, would recommend is ask your team members to engage with your current post as well. Because I think we could all agree, unless you've got a gangster business page, the personal pages are always going to do much better. That's just objectively and subjectively the truth in the way that it is. If there's other data that, that says otherwise, please show it to me. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it and educate myself. But, but to that point, I mean, you absolutely, you nailed it. You know, and Gorilla 76 is a gangster example of they have like, for lack of a better term, they, they, they don't have one Eddie. They've got like five or six or seven plus, right? <laughs> um, you know, for lack of a better example. And look what that does. Look what that does. It's huge. And they're also a great example of how your leader, you know, Joe, for example, can also be a positive brand multiplier. Somebody use that word multiplier. Yeah, Mike, huge. multiplier is the word. It is the word. So whether they're engaging with those, the, your page posts, which is always huge, always huge. I'm super blessed with Adaptix that they got it early because they're commenting, they're sharing around the world. That's literal multiplier. So if you, if you can get people on board, man, to make some good noise, that that is always, always will. And, and yeah, it's, yeah, sorry, always is, always will be um, the move for sure, dude. Nice. Thanks. Mm-hmm. 
Luke, would love to tee you up to ask your I'm question. I'm too anxious to ask. <laughs> no. About anxiety. Um, let's see if I can let's see if I can put this out there. I'm not an anxious person talking to people, uh, but I did give up Instagram and Facebook for a whole year last year. So I'm kind of personally, not professionally getting back into it. And your post about being kind of the fit dad, workout dad hit home to me because I've been going to a gym for eight years where lots of people there post their lifts and workouts and hashtag this and hashtag that. And I just, I never got into that because it, it always, I always felt anxious and would it resonate with my audience of friends that don't work out? No, it wouldn't. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I know there's more people out there like me that, you know, want to do something like this, but start overthinking themselves and mm-hmm. saying, oh, is this too like, look at me, look at me and touting my company or myself and stuff, which as marketers we're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. I think some of us get scared to jump off that cliff and you have a history of theater. So it's probably easier for you to put yourself on the stage, but you might have one nice piece of advice for us. I mean, no, in all reality, you're human, dude. That's human. And it doesn't get any more human than feeling insecure that you may fail or look silly in front of individuals who can see it. We are from childhood wired to have that specific fear. And so one, recognizing there's nothing wrong with that. And fear in my life has always told me that I'm on to something. I don't know. Anxiety, it just always told me if I'm afraid to do something because I'm going to look stupid, I guess I just stopped caring. You know, I just stopped caring. Like I was 26 years old. I was always a bougie about my hair. One day just buzzed it. Haven't even got it back since. And I like my hair. I know none of you guys care, but that was like my thing. I had that white boy high and tight fade. Ooh. But then one day I just didn't care. And you know what? And I'm not saying life went downhill from there by any means. But that to say, um, I turned my volume down because I realized I was just being selfish and I was afraid to look stupid. And did I know that was going to happen organically in one way, shape or another? Yeah, because I was taking the risk. But I knew that the reward of being able to speak to individuals who I know either needed to hear it or wanted to hear it, that was a much greater warm and fuzzy than the cold and prickly, if you will. And so once I accepted and swallowed the pill that, hey, you may be dumb and that's actually going to happen because if you express yourself to a thousand people and you expect a thousand of them to like you, then you're setting yourself up to fail. But I never did it with the intention for individuals to like me. I wanted to say what I cared about. And I figured my tribe would reveal themselves. And if they don't like me, that's cool. I got enough friends. Nice. I'm going to go buzz my head tomorrow. <laughs> Things get a lot colder. I'm just giving you a heads up. Um, you can run faster, but bless your heart, Luke. Seriously, bless- stay strong, man. Say I'm a DM bless- away anytime, homie. Less shampoo, though. Save on that. Oh, yeah, dude. I don't pay for hair products at all. It's gangster. Um, You, you know, Mary, I kind of wanted, I, I think this is interesting because uh, it came up earlier just about like all the gorillas posting, but like that confidence was even something that we had to kind of coach into the team. Um, And so I was wondering if you would kind of speak to that a little bit. Yeah. When we did, we did like a LinkedIn kind of like employee advocacy program it wasn't like a reward system or anything like that. No one gets anything here for posting on LinkedIn, um, but it was more an encouragement. Like this is how you can succeed if this is something that you want to do. And confidence was a huge one. And the way that I approached it for myself and the way that I coached people here internally is what do you wish five years ago you knew about marketing that they didn't know and that you know today? That's all I wanted to do. So when I first started posting on LinkedIn, 
It was, what do I wish Mary knew three years ago that she knows now? That's all I did. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, we also, you know, kind of have a, a community and we could definitely add this to the Slack channel. We're open to do all different sorts of things with the Slack channel, but we have a group within um, the Gorilla Slack channel where we post like, hey, I posted on LinkedIn and, you know, we can kind of like rally around that too, um, just so folks can jump in there and comment and like it right away. Um, maybe help take a little fear away of like, no one's going to like my post. Well, at least the rest of the gorilla team will like it, you know? And uh, so you have that to kind of start off of, but yeah, thanks so much. Uh, I also think it's kind of interesting too. And Kevin, I know you weren't prepared to talk about TikTok today, but Kevin's kind of seen some success growing on TikTok. So I was curious, like how you approached that starting at zero and, you know, just kind of overcoming maybe fears of failure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I think what helped me was consuming a lot of content up front and, and seeing what other people are doing and, and then seeing that there are things you can do on platforms that don't require a whole lot of technical ability. And that what really matters is the content that you provide. And if you're providing valuable content, um, people are going to respond. And Luke, I think speaking directly to you, like, I think you would be surprised too, once you start doing it, how many people come out of the woodworks and are like, this is awesome. Right? Like we have this, we, our, our mind tends to go towards like, oh no, this person is going to think I'm stupid. You're thinking of like one individual person or like a handful of people that are like, oh, maybe they're not going to like this. But then you start posting and there's people maybe you don't talk to every day that come out and are like, what you're doing is really, really cool. And, and it can inspire them to do something similar. So I get it. It's scary to like put your face on the internet, right? It's scary to like record a video of yourself. It's, you're making yourself pretty vulnerable. But think about people that you see on the internet doing the same thing and the warm feelings that you have for them. Like think about the warm feelings you have for Eddie for what he's done. Right. And I think people will look at you the same way. Um, So that's kind of how I've overcome that. Love it. And I have very warm feelings for Eddie. (laughs) Y'all get out of here. If you guys think flattery is going to get anywhere with me, you're absolutely correct. Well, I was, you were, you were on one of these like three months ago and I was like, someone famous is on here with us. So cool. I'll get out of here. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are awesome. And Kevin, you're a gangster. That, that's wonderful feedback. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't second that motion more, dude. Kudos to you and everything you do as well. Appreciate it, man. The thing I hear with all that is connection, right? Um, you know, I think of when I first started in industrial manufacturing, marketing, you know, it was a lot of like nameless brands with their weird logos and you know, catalogs with no people in them or stock images. And that doesn't connect with people, right? You're just a product and you can be thrown away when the next thing comes out that's less expensive, right? But with, uh, you know, Eddie and Flex Machine Tools, like Eddie's probably made a lot of connections with people and probably created a lot of brand affinity for Flex uh, because of that connection. Um, and, you know, the same thing here with Gorilla, like our faces are out all the time when we're talking about Gorilla. And so, we're, you know, identified with that brand. And so there's a lot more personal connection. Um, and Eddie, you kind of said the same thing, like 
think of all many people feel really connected to the Nike brand because they feel connected to Michael Jordan, right? It's just, uh, you know, using that, um, that connection is way more powerful than any features or benefits, bullet points that you could ever have. Amen, dude. Amen. And I thought it was crazy beforehand because I was, I was like, Luke, I was like, man, and I, dude, I even had the background. I was born on a stage, Luke, born on a stage, my man. And so like, what do I got to be worried about? But it's this human of us. It's so human. But I think we all know we see the chat people here. We get it. Humans are here to stay. And as much as we think we're being replaced by technology, man, but no robot ever gave me the warm and fuzzies. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Well, I think that this was an absolutely stellar se session. The, Eddie, thank you again for joining us today. Uh, we like to end each session, which is kind of like a big takeaway. Um, obviously, we covered a lot of ground. And uh, so I'd like to just hear, like, if there were one thing that folks should take away from this conversation today, what would you like it to be? And Eddie, uh, I'll hand it to you first. Put you on the spot. Oh, you're all good. Short and sweet. Uh, one of my favorite words of all time, empathy, empathy, folks. Um, everything that we've talked about uh, today can be rooted and be more successful if you lead with empathy. I mean it. Brendan, Mary. Yeah, I'll say uh, just be open to opportunities, right? Go find the people that are talking about what you do in your space and be open to opportunities and put yourself out there, ask the question and like, what, yeah, no is the worst thing that they could say. And just ask the next person. Yeah. I love that. Um, mine would be if you're having trouble getting buy-in from your leadership team, um, the classic go-to argument for a lot of like my trade show teardowns is people buy from people. Well, building a personal brand and doing influencer marketing is a way to do people buy from people at scale. So don't let the arguments stand in your way. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining IML today. Uh, if you would like to join the Slack community, please just post in the, the chat here and I'll get you an invite today. Um, otherwise, you can always reach out to any of us on LinkedIn and we'll put you in there. Um, and uh, just a little note, our next show, uh, speaking of trade show teardowns, uh, we're going to talk about trade shows, um, but it might surprise you to hear that we're kind of leaning into them a little bit with this next session. Um, trade shows, they're, they're going to happen. It's kind of hard to avoid them in the industrial space. So why not just do them better, right? Um, so to help us have that conversation, we're going to have uh, the manufacturing millennial himself, Jake Hall, on to uh, talk with us about that. And so bring your questions. He's obviously, I think he's attended like six or seven trade shows already this year. I think he's in Vegas right now. So um, yeah, bring your questions for Jake. And uh, we're super excited for that one. And again, thank you, Eddie, for joining us today. And uh, we can't wait to hopefully have you on another IML in the future. Y'all are awesome. Stay that way. All right. Bye, everyone. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for joining us. Catch you next time.